among four, four total elders, uh, great Pastor Ben. I do want to apologize for him using the word Halloween this morning. Good to see all of you, Tanner. Uh, Tanner, it's good to see you and your family. Uh, let me invite you, if you're not already there, from where Pastor Ben read, to turn to Hebrews. Uh, go ahead and actually turn for a moment to Hebrews chapter 12, if you would. down to business today, taking off the coat. Hebrews chapter 12, our title this morning is this, consider him, consider them, consider him, consider them, and then the subtitle, this is a longer one than usual, I guess you could say, subtitle would be so great a cloud of witnesses. Consider him, consider them. Who's them? So great a cloud of witnesses. Our text this morning is Hebrews 11.1 1 through 12.3. Okay? We're about to read chapter 12, and our text for the sermon is Hebrews 11.1 1 through 12.3. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, as we continue this series entitled, Jesus is Better. Hebrews 12, 1 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run, yes, even us, Crossway, let us run, with endurance, the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Psalm 110. Hebrews 12.3 Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. And now would you glance back at 11.32? Would you glance back at verse 32 of chapter 11? And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets. Hebrews 11.33, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. 
Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, verse 37, Hebrews eleven thirty-seven. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. Wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Now keep your Bible open and and if you if you're physically able, stand up with your Bible, keep your place there. Let's pray, and then we'll finish those last two verses. Pray with me. Father, we can have no better words of our own than to than to say what we've been taught to say from your word. Hallowed be your name. You're not just my father. You are that, and I'm and I praise you. Not just James' father or anyone else, but you're our father. And so, Lord, we come to you not with long and flowery prayers, not lifting our voices like we're praying to some pagan God who cannot hear us, but we pray to you, the only true and living God. And in a way that's similar to that wonderful Old Testament story, we pray also today that you would send down fire, Lord, that you would help us uh, through the Holy Spirit. Maybe it might be in a subtle way, but Lord, open your word to us. That's our prayer that you would help us through the Holy Spirit, that we would see this text, that we would see Jesus Christ. Lord, help us with this matter of faith and endurance. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we remain standing, we're looking at 1139. Look there. 1139. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Uh, you can have a seat. Uh, John MacArthur is a pastor in the Los Angeles area. As many of you know, he's been pastoring there for many decades, many decades uh, he got in trouble about four decades ago. He wrote a book called The Gospel According to Jesus. I don't mean that he got in trouble in any sinful way. In my opinion, he definitely didn't do anything bad. I think he did something good. He wrote a book, uh, John MacArthur, called The Gospel According to Jesus, about some 40 years ago, maybe. He wrote this book because he was concerned, and in fact, this his concern has proved to be one of the in my opinion, one of the greatest concerns in the modern church, and that is tons of people, tons of Christians, tons of pastors, tons of churches, tons of seminary professors who should know better, who should know better because they have the Bible, who were teaching and propagating, and this has massive practical ramifications. Uh, they're teaching this idea that you can be saved simply by agreeing to the facts of the gospel. Uh, that a person, if it's a six-year-old girl or a 60-year-old man, is saved merely by agreeing to the facts of the gospel. Uh, by believing in a way that strips down belief from what the Bible means about belief. So we absolutely teach. We absolutely promote the idea that it's, it's only by believing. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. It's only through faith. 
But one of the things that MacArthur pointed out in that book is what about repentance? Uh, do you have something more besides just having your young child or, or anybody just agree with the facts of the gospel? That's a great starting point. But what about repentance and faith? Two sides of one coin. So I've got this book here. He, he later on went to write a subsequent book because people got really mad at him. They got really mad. And so he wrote another book that made them all the more mad. And, and this is a book called The Gospel According to the Apostles. Um, both books are a little dated. I hold that book. That, that book used to be titled this, Faith Works. Faith Works. I think that's a great uh, little phrase, faith works. You know, because you can talk about faith and works. And you could say, well, which is it? You know, James in the Bible, James in the Bible seems to, seems to really emphasize works. And Paul seems to really emphasize faith. You, you know, right? And James seems to contradict Paul, and they certainly do not contradict each other. You could talk about faith and works, but MacArthur had it right. That little phrase is so helpful, faith works. So, so all you have to do, by the grace of God, it's, it's really, it, it really is very simple. Understand that God is holy, that you are not, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who lived on earth a perfect life, born of a virgin, took the death that we deserve, buried in a borrowed tomb, raised from the grave, ascended to heaven, and you must believe in Jesus. You must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But the faith of a true Christian, the faith of a true Christian is a dynamic thing. It's a dynamic thing. And so that little phrase just says it all, faith works. It's not even faith and works. It's that true faith works. True faith works. Well, we are coming up on Reformation Day, not Halloween. But Martin Luther said this. Listen, this is a great quote. Martin Luther said, Faith is a living, busy, active, powerful thing. It is impossible for it not to do us good continually. It never asks whether good works are to be done, but has done them before there is time to ask the question. And it is always doing them. I'll say that last part again. Faith never asks whether good works are to be done, but has done them before there is time to ask the question. And it's always doing. Faith is faith's a busy thing. Faith is an active thing. I don't know. It's like a hamster on a wheel going, going, going. It's like a young child who's got so much energy. And it's like, give me a break from the question. Or, you know, or something like that. Faith is a busy. It's an active thing. So this is faith. Well, the, the big picture of what we want to do this morning Remember again, the text is Hebrews 11.1 1 through 12.3. Hebrews 11.1 1 through 12.3. Consider him, consider them, who's them? So great a cloud of witnesses. So I want to, I want to do this. Just two things, okay? The first thing that I want to do is pretty quickly, pretty quickly just rattle off, although we will have to pause on some of these. I want to rattle off 10 things about this passage. Uh, I just, as I've looked at this carefully, I jotted these down, I want to rattle off 10 things about this passage. And then after that, after the first hour, then we'll, 
in light of that, say a few other really important things on the macro level. So let's jump in. Hebrews 11. Ten truths. Ten truths. Remember, after these ten, we'll have more to say. But first of all, ten truths from Hebrews 11. So you take the chapter, Hebrews 11, you subtract one, you've got ten truths. Here we go. Number one, Jesus is better. And that's the title of our whole series on Hebrews. That's the message of this book. And we always want the message of the book. We always want to bring to bear the message of the book on any one section that we're looking at. Today we're just looking at this one section, and we want to bring to bear the whole message of the book. Number one, Jesus is better. This is the message of Hebrews. Jesus Christ, our great high priest. Number two, number two, Hebrews 11 Do you know what Hebrews 11 is? If you don't, that's okay. So great for us all to be together. It really is. Many of you know Hebrews 11 is like the the hall of fame, and you call it the hall of faith. The hall of faith. It's, It's a famous chapter. Point number two, Hebrews 11 only properly ends at 12, 3. Hebrews 11 only properly ends at 12, 3. There's a chapter division But there is really no break. Therefore, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured against himself such hostility from sinners, so that you may not grow weary and faint-hearted. Hebrews 11 only properly ends at 12.3. Number three. Number three. Chapter 11 follows chapter 10, and I don't say that to state the obvious. Chapter 11 follows chapter 10 and must be read that way. Chapter 11 follows chapter 10 and must be read that way. Look at verse 39 of chapter 10. What are we doing here? Well, we're doing the context, right? The context. We're going to go through these 10 things. We're going to make sure we've got them clear. We're going to... See the big picture here because this is a famous passage. It's the Word of God. Hebrews 10.39 But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have what? Of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Look at verse 36. You have need of endurance. Hebrews 10.36 So that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised for... And then Paul says, or whoever wrote this book, he says, let me quote from Habakkuk. Let me quote to you from Habakkuk chapter 2. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Uh, Hebrews 11 follows chapter 10, and it must be read that way. Here's here's one of these points I'm camping out on for a few minutes, okay? We're pausing on, on number three for a few minutes. 
This tells us at the end of chapter 10 that Jesus is coming again. This tells us that Jesus is coming again. Let me ask you, what do you think? How would you finish this sentence? Jesus is coming soon, so we should... Don't answer out loud. Jesus is coming soon, so we should what? What would you say? Okay, just be, be, I guess, like really spiritual. What would you say if you're like given the Christianese answer? Jesus is coming soon, so we should... Well, the question is, what does the Bible say? And here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, Jesus is coming soon, so go to work. Listen to me. The Bible doesn't say, Jesus is coming soon, so so get hyper-spiritual. The Bible doesn't say, Jesus is coming soon, so make your number one priority going door-to-door witnessing. That's not a bad thing. That's not what the Bible teaches primarily. The Bible says Jesus is coming soon, so go to work. The Bible says Jesus is coming soon, so devote yourself to prayer. And here at the end of chapter 10, I'm telling you, it's very important that we get this. Here at the end of chapter 10, the Bible also says Jesus is coming soon, so go to church. I mean, we, we, we make things too spiritual. So look at that again, chapter 10, verse 19. Chapter 10, verse 19, this all-important foundation, very important foundation. 10, 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. You know the great Christian triad? Listen to it. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our, verse 23, of our hope without wavering. For he who promises faithful, now you know what I mean, faith, hope, and what? Faith, hope, and verse 24. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Do you see that in verse 22? Faith. Do you see that in verse 23? Hope. Do you see that in verse 25? Or I'm sorry, in verses 24 and 25? Love. Faith, hope, and love. Dear friend, Jesus is coming soon. And the Bible doesn't say... Go door-to-door witnessing. That's fine. That's good. Martin Luther said, Jesus is coming soon, so go plant a tree. What? Go plant a tree? The Bible says, go to work. Pray. Go to church. A pastor, a minister, was talking to a, a man who called himself a Christian. And maybe he was. Maybe he was. A pastor was talking to a man who called himself a Christian and asked him if he was active in a local church. The man responded, no, but the dying thief wasn't, was not active in a church, and yet he was still accepted. The pastor then asked if he had been baptized. The man responded, the dying thief was not baptized, and he still made it to heaven. You get the theme? The dying thief. The dying thief. The minister then asked him if he'd partaken of the Lord's table. The man responded, no, but the dying thief didn't either, and Christ still received him. The minister then said this, The only difference between you and the dying thief is that he was dying in his belief and you are dead in yours. 
he was dying in his belief and you are dead in yours. What's the point? To make some point as the pastor? Some legalistic point? No, this is not legalism. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 is not legalism. And some of you, dear friends, need to not minimize your priority of family at all. Family is a wonderful thing. But you need to prioritize more, whether it's family or whatever it is, you need to prioritize the church of the living God, which he bought with his own blood. Why? Because I'm saying it, no, so that you won't fall away. Because it's not just Joshua Harris, famous Joshua Harris, who committed apostasy. May the Lord restore him. May the Lord bring him back while he has breath. But it's every Christian who needs to understand that what we need, what you and I need, is this, faith and endurance. Faith and endurance. That's the whole message this morning. Faith and endurance. There it is. Go to church. Be there. Why? Because it's a community project. I'm not talking about Hillary Clinton or something like that. I'm saying from Scripture, the Lord Jesus Christ. It does take a village. Jesus died for you individually and He died for His people, the church. Why do you take it so lightly? Why? This passage doesn't say just go to church. It says be concerned about your brother and sisters. What we all need, what we all need as Christians is daily repentance from sin. Daily repentance. Godward repentance. Not not just being sorry. Not just being sorry that you've been caught. Godly sorrow. Because he says in chapter 10, verse 26, For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Number four. We are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. We are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. And it's so natural that you take chapter 12, 1 through 3, with chapter 11. It's so natural because in verse 1, are you looking at it? Chapter 12, verse 1, it says, We are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Have, have nimble fingers this morning. We're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. And what is that? Well, that's the summer, that's chapter 11. Again, you can go to Charlotte and you can go to the NASCAR Hall of Fame. And you can go to other various sports hall of fames. I don't know where's football's at Canton, Ohio, or something like that. And you've you've heard, perhaps, perhaps you've heard chapter 11, the hall of faith. These heroes of the faith. By the way, you don't have to be some awesome hero to be in the, the hall of faith. But that's what it is. We're surrounded by, so let me break chapter 11. Let me just give you, the big picture overview of chapter 11. In the original language, which you know, the Old Testament's Hebrew and the New Testament's Greek. So in the original language, chapter 11, the word, listen to me, faith is 24 times. In chapter 11, what is chapter 11? It tells you right there in verse 1 of chapter 12. We're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. In the original language in chapter 11, faith is there 24 times. You have 16 people. And it's all by faith, by faith, by faith. Let's see if I can remember them. You have Abel, you have Enoch, Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, uh, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Rahab. 
you have uh, Samson, Gideon, Barak, Jephthah, David, and Samuel. You have 16 names, and it's by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. And it's quoting mostly from Genesis and Judges. Most of the stories, most of the illustrations in chapter 11, Noah, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Moses, David, most of this is from Genesis and Judges. It's also from Exodus. It's also from First and Second Samuel, from First and Second Chronicles. The Old Testament's the Word of God for us. Hebrews 11 is awesome, but mainly Genesis and Judges. Check out those two books. And it's by faith, by faith. Number five, know this, dear Christian. And if you're here this morning and not a Christian, everybody know this. What pleases God? Faith. Without faith, number five, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Verse 6 of Hebrews 11 says that explicitly. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. Do you know that Christians think about rewards? Christians think about rewards. And number six. Number six, the reward is God himself and God's commendation. God's, what, is, what is God's commendation? Well done. Well done. I am pleased with you. That's commendation. Uh, okay, let's get our bearings. Number one, Jesus is better. Number two, Hebrews 11 only properly ends at 12.3. Number three, chapter 11 follows 10. It's really dependent on the end of chapter 10. Number four, we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. That's the whole explanation of Hebrews 11. Number five, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Christians think about rewards. You must believe that he exists and that he is the rewarder of those who say it's not enough to be a theist. It's not enough to not be an atheist and to be a theist. That's not enough. You've got to be a theist who believes in Jesus Christ and who believes that God is going to reward you and that the reward primarily is Jesus Christ. And so again, that's number six. I'm telling you, Crossway, listen to me. Live for the commendation of God. Live for the commendation. Live to hear Him say, well done. With you, because of my son, I am pleased. Live as already righteous and justified by faith. Live for the commendation of God. Look at verse 39. Please look at verse 39. 11.39 And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. And then you go back to verse 1. Now faith, verse 1, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, 
I wish I would have read this earlier. I'm sorry I didn't look at it. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. If you got the ESV. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended having pleased God. By the way, do you ever think, man, I hear so much preaching about God accepts me in the beloved. God is pleased with me because he's pleased with his son. But it's like if the if the beloved part wasn't there and if the in his son part wasn't there, then he, he hates me. No, no, friend, God created you. God doesn't make junk. He loves his creation. Man, male and female, represent the very pinnacle of his creation. It is absolutely true that God accepts us in the beloved. He only accepts us in Jesus Christ. Dear brother and sister, God is pleased with you in Christ. He's pleased with you. God, God, is not, God doesn't hate you, and it's just that Jesus is, is, a, is a shield, and therefore, okay, well, I can bear with them. No, no, that's not what the Scripture teaches. At the end of verse 5, he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Dear believer, God loves you. God loves you. He sent his son to die for you. Verse 6, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. It's not enough to, you can't be an atheist. You've got to be a theist, but that is not enough. You must believe that God rewards those who seek. Well, well, that's not spiritual. I can't be thinking about rewards. I've got to, I've got to do my duty because doing my duty is what's right. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible doesn't teach do your duty because just do your duty because that's what's right to do. The Bible says if you don't believe that God rewards those who seek Him, you won't be saved. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Number seven, creation, not evolution. Number seven, creation, not evolution. This is verse one. What is faith? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And then verse three, by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Uh, evolution is just bad science, but more importantly, it's bad worldview. 
It's not only science, it's worldview. So we're not, we're not naturalists, we're supernaturalists. Okay? So creation, not evolution, which is not ultimately the point of this, right? Paul's not talking about creation versus evolution. He is talking about our creator God. He's holy, we're not. He's creator, we're not. He made us, he owns us, and we receive by faith, verse 3. By faith. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. Does that mean, dear student, that you check your brain at the door? Far from it. That's ridiculous. Number eight. Number eight. Jesus is better. This is intentional repetition. That was number one, and this is number eight. Jesus is better. It really is the theme of Hebrews. It really is. Look at this. Keep reading with me. Keep Go with me. Verse eight. Look at what Ben read. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called out to go to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise. Now, he gives this wonderful 13 through 16. It's like you could take this as a summary for the whole chapter. 13 through 16. Look at this. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. Looking at it, verse 15, chapter 11, verse 15. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a what? A better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Oh, it's, a, it's verse 16. It's a better country. How about verse 35? How about verse 35? Women receive back their dead by resurrection. What's that? That's Elijah and Elisha. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to what? To a better life. Verse 39. Verse 39. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. I'm telling you, this idea that Jesus is better is in the text, is the message of Hebrews. You see it there in 16, 35, and 39, because it's all because of Jesus Christ. It's all, Jesus is better, and through him we are looking for something better. Number nine, number nine, faith is of the essence of the Christian life. And not just the entry into the Christian life. You are saved by faith. Now I know it's not just saved by faith, it's by grace by Jesus Christ and His shed blood on the cross. But we're saved by faith. We enter the door by faith. But what I'm saying to you is take Hebrews 11 and see that faith is of the essence of the Christian life. We live by faith. It's of the very essence of the Christian life. Faith works. Faith works. Oh, there's a lot of action. Did you did you remember that part? I think it's verse 37 about people getting sawn in two. What is that? That's a reference to Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Bailey. No, it's not. Do you know, uh, have you ever heard about the prophet Isaiah and his life and death? We do not know for sure. We do not. The Bible doesn't say this, but tradition tells us that the prophet Isaiah died by being sawn in two. 
Um, I came across this. I thought this was quite interesting. Ancient Jewish Christian tradition suggests that Isaiah was martyred by King Manasseh. According to the tradition, boys and girls, Isaiah was tied inside a sack, placed within the hollow of a tree trunk, and then sawed in two. That's a great story. And a lot of the early church fathers corroborate it and say, yeah, that's probably true. Some version of that is true. Isaiah, who wrote that big book that's really awesome in the Old Testament, might have been sawn in two. Verse 37, that might be what's referred to there. The point is this. Part of the point is, remember today, remember the persecuted church. Remember the persecuted church and be ready. If we're not prepared, if we're not prepared, then we will not be ready. This passage speaks about enduring faith. Enduring faith. And there's not one of these examples that doesn't in some way, shape, or fashion deal with death. These are heroes because God granted them faith to stay the course even in the midst of great adversity. These are heroes because God granted them faith to stay the course even in the midst of great adversity. And what's the point? Listen to me. Listen. The point is, Hebrews, you in that house church there in the first century, you in that first century house church, men and women, who have already suffered so much and might suffer more, even martyrdom, let this stir you, let this gird you, and most of all, let Jesus Christ be your example. There's 16 examples here in Hebrews 11, but the premier example is Jesus Christ. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, and that's number 10. And don't worry, I'm looking at the clock. Number 10, number 9 was faith is of the very essence of the Christian life. It's not just your ticket in. Not just your ticket in. Number 10, this passage only rightly ends at 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded, 12-1, by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight. And sin which clings so closely. Hebrews 12-1, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Hmm. Endured the cross. End of verse 1. Let us run with endurance. And is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you crossway so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Here's the deal. As people who are living in a fallen world, we are absolutely prone to grow weary and faint-hearted. And he says, he says, consider him. You know, 12, 1 through 3 is one of those great passages that we like as Americans because just tell me something to do. Right? Give, just give me something to do. One pastor talked about they did this great I've shared this with you before. They did this great building campaign. We're doing this little campaign right now. You know, just they did this great campaign. The church was all about it. And then when the campaign was over, the attendance just started to drop because we want something to do. We want to be a part of something. And 12, 1 through 3, does, listen, it does tell us something to do. It does. It says, run the race. It says, dear friend, don't make peace with your sin. Don't make peace with your sin. 
run the race. But this passage is not first and foremost about us. It's about Jesus Christ. The center of this passage is looking to Jesus. Friend, you better know the answer to this question. Your whole eternity is staked upon it. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? If it says looking to Jesus, you better think about that question. Who is Jesus? Answer, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Answer, he is the one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. What did he do? He endured the cross. For on the cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ I stand. On the cross, I'll say it again, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. Why did he do that? Why did he go to the cross? For the joy that was set before him. He's our example of faith. He's our example of faith and of looking to the reward. Oh, 12, 1 through 3 is the proper conclusion to 11. It does say something directly to us. Very directly. And the main thing it says to us is, not Noah, not Enoch, not Abel, not Samson, not Jephthah, not Barak, not Gideon, not David, not Samuel. Look to Christ. Consider Him. Consider Him. And yes, also, yes, also, Consider them. Consider him and consider them. Let me close with this. If you do go to Charlotte, I might do that one day. I'm not a huge NASCAR fan, but I can go and see Jeff Gordon or whatever. But you will see people and only people who deserve to be in there. If you go to Hebrews 11, you see people who do not deserve to be there because none of us deserves the grace of God. And so listen, I'll give you this quote and then I'm done. Listen to it. He says, we call the example list of Hebrews 11 the Hall of Faith. And we think of these inductees into the Hall of Faith as especially heroic. Yet if we would stop and reflect for a moment, we realize that there is much about those on the list that was less than admirable. It's like Matthew chapter 1. This list is like Matthew chapter 1. There's famous people, but they're not. They're, they've got a checkered past. What about you this morning? Noah, for example, all of this is Hebrews 11. Noah got drunk and lay naked in his tent. Abraham lied about Sarah. Isaac lied about Rebekah. Jacob was a deceiver. Moses committed murder. The people of Israel were a bunch of ungrateful grumblers. Yes, they were. Like we can be sometimes. The people of Israel were a bunch of ungrateful grumblers. Gideon was a doubter. And David was an adulterer. We may think that the author of Hebrews has made some mistake, is stretching things a bit and holding these people up as exemplary. If not for one thing, if not for one thing, real faith must be expressed by real people, real pilgrims who have yet to reach the heavenly city. They are searching, they have not yet arrived. They are heroes. Not because they are perfect, but because of the perfect work, work of God, His grace. And so we too are eligible for enlistment in the life of faith. Chapter 12, chapter 10, and 40 verses in the middle. Chapter 12, chapter 10, and 40 verses in the middle. 
enduring faith. Faith that lasts to the end. God help us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you as better than any earthly surgeon cut so as to heal. Help us, we pray, to consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that we will not grow weary and faint-hearted. Help us, Lord, Help us look to Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen.